And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Folks, welcome into On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney. We get to talk about the on-fire Chicago Cubs today, um, to be starkly contrasted with the down-in-the-dregs horrible Cubs of the last episode, because, uh, you know, clearly it can change that quickly. Uh, I kid, of course. But the Cubs did... Uh, win a couple in San Francisco. Uh, they've now won the first two at home against the first place uh, Pirates. They go for the sweep today. We're recording Thursday morning, but given uh, the season's history, I think we can go ahead and presume for the purposes of this recording that the Cubs lost tonight because they're going for a sweep. So we know that they will not win. Um <laughs> I kid. It's actually it's a it's a uh, immovable object meets an unstoppable force because Marcus Stroman is starting tonight for the Cubs and uh, he's been more or less unbeatable this year outside of Minnesota. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Maybe you know what? Let's start there if you don't mind, real quick, Mooney, because Jed Hoyer um, talked about sort of the Marcus Stroman stuff, the comments that Stroman made. We talked about in the last. Uh, uh, that we talked about last week with um, Stroman making some comments about uh, wanting to make sure that folks knew that he wanted to engage the Cubs in extension talks and sort of our perspective was that's understandable, but it still seems very early for that. Um, it'd be surprising that the Cubs never talked to him before making a trade decision in July, but that's just, it's just hard to see it as a conversation for here in mid June. And um, I think uh, Jed Hoyer kind of spoke to that topic, albeit briefly. So maybe we, maybe that can sew things up. We can start with the scene in the uh, Wrigley Field dugout before Wednesday's game. Uh, Jed Hoyer typically speaks with the media formally once a homestand, and that got uh, sort of rained out the day before. Uh, and so there's a big group of reporters, and it's like just 15 seconds of awkward silence and so finally i was just like have you tweeted back at stroman yet and he laughed and said i don't tweet and then our colleague john greenberg said well there is that account out there and i think jed <laughs> it's got one tweet. yes uh thank you uh, we all assume that's a theo epstein production but uh long way of saying like this is just weird like this is unusual and even some of the mechanics of it as well i asked jed you know, going back to the Jeff Samarja, Matt Garza days, all the way up through a separate selling cycle with Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez, like, 
have you ever negotiated a contract extension this deep into the season? And off the top of the head is that he couldn't recall, but he didn't want to definitively say it never happened. And there's was no like real time reporting at that time about, you know, the Cubs trying to, you know, make a last ditch effort with any of those guys. And I think even if the only just to just to comment in, the only deal I can think of was like the Starlin Castro extension, which was in August, but that's an entirely yeah, different yeah. situation because it wasn't a walkier guy. It wasn't it's was just a totally different Exactly. Situation. And you know, the Ian Hap was technically in season, but Hoyer viewed that more as just a a natural outgrowth of the very extensive conversations they had in spring training. So it's like, if the Cubs didn't do that for, you know, Anthony Rizzo, who made it known he didn't want to do it, uh, you know, Javier Baez was very close to a nine-figure contract for the Cubs, and then the pandemic came bad, and then they pulled the offer, and Javi never really complained about that, ever. Um, we're just looking at a track record here that, suggests the Cubs are not going to seriously engage Marcus Stroman at this point. And you know what I wrote, and this is not a direct quote from a Cubs official. This is just more my vibe of they view this as bidding against yourself rather than exclusive negotiating window. So um, it's a really odd way to talk about a team that's only four and a half games out of first place. And it's also kind of unusual framing for a pitcher who has outperformed the team's very high expectations when they signed him and um, a pitcher who has repeatedly acknowledged how much the club has helped put him in a position to succeed. Like this has been a really great partnership and uh, it could continue in the future. I just don't really see like some sort of last minute in season deal coming together. Like that would, surprised me but i was also shocked when they got an ian hap deal done too so who knows yeah i mean everything is impossible or extraordinarily unlikely until it happens and perhaps some year there will be the right circumstances for a deal like that i mean i think about how obvious it was last year by the end of the year that drew smiley and the cubs were going to get together on a new deal and even when it was that obvious it still took till when late december to get well, a deal together like because christmas eve almost like when it was yeah. finalized so, yeah, yeah yeah i mean this is an organization that prioritizes optionality over almost anything and we see that in every layer of their various decision makings and so that's the part that's I would think that's why I think I'm sure they're going to want some information from him and his camp in late July because they're going to want to know like, oh, if they've got some, you know, say they're five, six, seven games out and they've got some meaningful trade offers. Well, let's just see, you know, what would he what would you do today? If, just so that you at least know what you're deciding among. That seems logical to me. Um, but like you said, going whole out right now, it just does feel like bidding against yourself, especially at a time when Stroman himself, for as much as he may want to remain with the Cubs, he has no reason to be offering a discount here in June. Just, it wouldn't make sense for him. I wouldn't advise him to, and so it's, it's, uh, that's kind of where we leave it. Um, Odd all the way around, like you said, including the fact that it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that's going to become a distraction or carry on or become this like it was an interesting discussion, but it doesn't feel like it has that same energy that these things can sometimes have where it's like, uh oh, organization against player and they're trying to perform. And 
I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, we'll see if like there's any carryover in terms of the narrative tonight for Strowman's start, but I usually have a pretty decent pulse on these things and I just, I don't feel like it's going to. Like, I feel like he's just, it's just going to be another game and hopefully he pitches well. Um, so like I said, Cubs going for the sweep uh, with that Strowman start. Uh, a couple very good games against the Pirates. Uh, very high scoring. Uh, you know, I would note for folks who may get overly exuberant about the offensive piece of this that it did feel like a couple games where a lot of the bounces that hadn't been going the Cubs' way for many months did go their way in this one, both in terms of some balls finding holes, but also hits getting down in the big moments when, uh, you know, for months we talked about how that just never seemed to happen. So that's good. You know, that's, that's encouraging that they were stepping up to the moment, putting balls in play. But as we know, the balls don't always fall. And um, so I would be cautious anyway, because it's only two games, but I'd be cautious in these two games in particular to be like, ah, Cubs offense is finally unlocked. And to that end, we could talk about that broadly if you want, but to that end, I wanted to note this was all happening against the backdrop of Cody Bellinger finally beginning his rehab assignment with the Iowa Cubs. Uh, And what was most interesting, I think, not necessarily surprising, but definitely the most interesting is that he played first base for both of those games. And both David Ross and Jed Hoyer uh, demurred on the opportunity to say, ah, that's just about keeping his knee fresh. It's just about getting his bat back. Like, they said that stuff, but they also were pretty clear that the the between-the-lines commentary was, yeah, he's going to be playing some first base for us when he comes back. That was partly an acknowledgement that Mike Talkman has been a nice fill-in. Um, but I think maybe the bigger piece is that first base still has been a black hole for the Cubs offensively. And while it made all the sense in the world to bring Matt Mervis up when the Cubs did, because first base was already a black hole at that point, um, to give him this look, to give him, he's approaching that hundred plate appearance mark, which is, I think when you do, you know, we, I swear we see that all the time with the, this front office set over the last 10 years. It always seems like they don't make any kinds of decisions until about a hundred plate appearances for a guy. And that's when I think they feel like you have enough information that you could either understand what levers to push with a guy on your team or send him back to the minors with information, knowing what he needs to work on. And so to me, I see these two things kind of coming together at the same time and I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bridge too far to connect those dots and say, oh, I think probably we're going to see Bellinger coming up at some point, playing first base, and it might be the time that Matt Mervis heads back to Iowa to to continue his development. Brett, I think you nailed it there. I think that is all of those wheels are very much in motion, and uh, it is refreshing when uh, the Cubs are straightforward and acknowledge all of those factors um instead of say the song and dance we do with like say a suzuki's injuries <laughs> I knew or, you were gonna, or not injuries you said that. uh but yeah. like you know matt mervis hasn't produced period like that's understandable uh that's not uh doesn't foreclose the possibility that he can come back up even later this season and just start hitting home runs again, but he hasn't done it thus far. And the Cubs don't have uh, the type of lineup 
or the amount of runway where you can just like keep carrying that and rolling him out there. And so I think you, we've continually seen this front office trying to push those buttons and David Ross kind of pushing for, you know, certain elements to his roster. I mean, we can cycle through the Mervis, Morell, Magical, uh, back and forth, uh, stuff like that. And uh, I, I do think the Bellinger like long-term big picture discussion like it's not too early to like have that like I do think that is like a part of this year and sometimes you and I are guilty of jumping too far ahead but like this is a big one when you look at the Cubs weaknesses going forward and like where they have to uh address things and also like the profile of the type of free agent that they like like there's a lot there with Cody Bellinger that that matches up, and now maybe Scott Boris uh, takes him to the open market, and there's one owner out there that just gives him an offer he can't refuse. But like, if there isn't, I would imagine the Cubs are very much going to be in play there, and we've seen uh, whether it's Mervis's struggles or you know, some of the other guys who've come from Iowa and haven't like delivered. Cubs are not in a space where they can just count on Pete Crow Armstrong to like be their everyday center fielder for the next seven years. Like that's just um, that would be foolish, uh, to be honest. And so Scott Boris mentions these things in passing, like, oh yeah, Cubs fans haven't even seen this guy's a Gold Glove first baseman too. And like, as you know, Brett, there's no reason to move someone off center field until you absolutely have to. But uh, this particular set of circumstances sort of demands it. That's it right there for me. Uh, I I would say I'm about as hardcore as a Cubs fan can get on not moving guys down the defensive spectrum unless you really have to, if they are a capable defender higher up. And with Cody Bellinger, it's not just that he's capable center fielder. He's one of the rare, very good defensive center fielders who projects to play there for many more years and if he kind of finds an equilibrium between his MVP form and what the last couple of years are, he's a plus bat too. And I think um, you would, in, in a vacuum, you would just never, ever, ever say, we want to sign this center fielder to be our first baseman because that is a one-way road to being massively inefficient, to, to screwing up your budget in a million different ways. And so that's, that's not what this conversation is. Uh, instead, it's it's one of these things where it has a lot of different inputs, uh, like Mooney said, where there's the current discussion, which is, okay, you know, you're protecting the knee a little bit. There's the black hole of performance at first base. There's Talkman. There's getting Bellinger's bat back. There's getting him back sooner rather than later because there's the deadline coming. There's all these things that inform what's happening now. Makes sense. And then that's just one piece of the bigger picture discussion that you're talking about, which is at what point do the Cubs think about, you know, maybe Pete Crow Armstrong is coming. Maybe that maybe we would even say probably that he's, you know, we know that that's a even better defensive center fielder probably today than Bellinger would be. Um, But you don't know that he's going to be ready next year. You don't know that he's going to come up and stick you don't know what that development period is going to look like. And so it's very hard for me, as much as I love PCA as a prospect, um, 
he can't be the reason that you would foreclose the possibility of of extending Cody Ballinger, especially when he can play first base and he could be that guy for you for many years at a spot where it's not like the Cubs other than Matt Mervis and that's a TBD situation. They don't have a big thumping first baseman prospect that they definitely know is coming and is definitely, you know, the next Anthony Rizzo. And so I think when you put all that stuff together, that's at least enough for me to say, yeah, those are conversations the Cubs should have. And would it be enough to preclude trading him if they fall out of it? I doubt it. If there's a good offer there and he's performing, and especially if he's back in center field, I think they take a good offer and go with it. Uh, but if that doesn't happen, if they stay close, if the offer isn't there, million other reasons, uh, I think you you approach that early part of the offseason and you say, look, we know that you might get center field offers out there. And by center field offers, I mean not to play the position. I mean the price tag that comes along, the Brandon Nimmo eight-year or whatever. Cubs aren't going to do that. I, I do, not, do not see that happening. But if those offers don't come, like you said, then maybe they pay a little bit more than you would for a first baseman, you know, because obviously this is a guy who doesn't have to play that spot and he can buy you additional time for PCA to come up and adjust if that happens. Or if it doesn't, he just stays in center field. And so there, there's a lot that goes into it that this this is a topic where I have softened considerably over the last month or even as he's been absent i think i didn't see a realistic path to them sticking together and increasingly because maybe because of uh, the mervis didn't come out immediately dumping or because i've been reminded this year about the adjustment process for young players like pca there's just been a lot of reasons over the last month and a half that i'm like you know maybe Maybe we, we kind of stick with this conversation, not the least of which is Cubs don't have a ton of left-handed power, and we've seen how much that hurt them to not have it over this past month and a half. So, yeah, I, I'm on board for that conversation. I think for now, let's get him back and see how he looks and make sure there aren't, you know, this this was a guy who was clearly his performance was sensitive to physical limitations, you know, that, that, that was the story that was sold by Scott Boris and co that he was going to be good again if he just got healthy. And so you do, you want to see how he performs now post this bone bruise in his knee. Yeah, and I think you also have to look at, too, like by 2024, Jed Hoyer and David Ross are going to be towards the end of their contractual windows. And, like, you know, Pico Armstrong has a cool nickname and a lot of, you know, cool highlights on social media, but, like, he doesn't have a lot of high-level experience he has a lot of maturing and growth to do and are the 2024 cubs going to be like the ideal place to do that uh probably not i mean maybe you we saw this year um you know this way from iowa was not exactly what we saw in 2015 when those guys came up and just nailed it and cubs don't really have those prospects i mean we look at the Reds and Pirates and kind of their systems and where they're trending. Like, I, I just don't know the Cubs have that. And so I think you can play Cody Bellinger in center field for for a while um, because the Cubs are really not in a position where they can just be handing over everyday jobs at one of the most important positions on the field to guys who are like 22 years old and with like two months of experience at A Tennessee. Like... Uh, and, you know, if Matt Mervis was here 
or in position when the Cubs traded Anthony Rizzo, sure, you can give him a couple months and just see what happens. And maybe you roll into 2022 with Matt Mervis as a prominent option. But that is not this team right now. Not to say it's a good team, uh, but it's a team with a lot more pressure now. And that's kind of what's on the horizon here. The Cubs are in this in-between stage, but uh, by opening day next year, um, that's absolutely going to be uh, a prove-it year here. So um, Cody Bellinger um, is not a particularly loud uh, guy in the media, but he's kind of the center where all these stories kind of uh, come together and you can see some of the different avenues the Cubs might take. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. So bringing it back to this year and even uh, zooming in closer than that, uh, we've got these two wins from the Cubs over you know the NL Central leading Pirates. Um, look, I loved the wins and I acknowledge that it's very important for the Cubs to win these games right now. What I try to fight back against inside myself is this idea that like that they are actually playing the best team in the central right now. I don't think they are. Um, or that like them climbing to four and a half games back of that team right now tells the story of where they are competitively. I think, I don't think the front office looks at it like that. I think they do evaluate, you know, how close you are in the division is going to matter when it comes to the buy-sell decision. But I think there also has to be a conviction that this is a team that can play a lot better in August and September to justify uh, the opportunity cost of not selling. I think the buying side of things, 
I don't see this year's Cubs team, no matter what happens between now and the deadline, being this like ultra aggressive buyer that's giving up tip top prospects for rentals. And that I don't see that. And uh, but so there's, so there's not a lot of cost there to me. If they add a couple relievers at the deadline, I think they've got the quality prospect depth to be able to pull that off without a ton of pain. I think the real cost would be in not selling. And I, that isn't me saying, please, I hope the Cubs sell. I mean, I've tried to be crystal clear from going back to October of last year. I desperately do not want them to sell this year. I want them to hang around you don't have to be great, but hang around, stay in the race, keep it interesting into August and September. But the reality is if that's not going to happen, they have to sell. They have to take advantage of the opportunity to bring in whatever they can. It's the same cycle again and again, but it's the same cycle for a reason because that's what you do in an otherwise lost season. And so take all that together, put it in the blender. And I look at these last two games and I say, I've enjoyed them as a fan. I like the keeping open the potential of this crazy 10 game winning streak that, that totally flips my thinking back to where it was two weeks ago. Um, but I'm trying not to let these games run away with me. And I'm curious for you. I mean, I know you well enough by now to know that you likewise wouldn't have looked at these two games and said, ah, wait a minute. I think they're going to be buyers. Um, but I do wonder what does that look like for you to where, you know, we might have to look back at, things we said last week and the week before and be like, you know, actually maybe they are putting themselves in position. What what would realistically have to happen? I, I think you're onto something there. Like we have to be open to like different possibilities. You know what I mean? Like it's like I go back to end of April in uh, DC and like I asked Carter Hawkins about adding at the trade deadline and like that was very much in play like something to be looking forward to at that point and then you know you let a couple more weeks um pass on the calendar and you have to realistically look at it like with this team's record you know no chance they're adding which means they're selling and i do think there's a gray area here and a nuanced difficult conversation that the front office and the coaching staff will have that you know you kind of know it when you see it if they are if they can reorganize the bullpen if the offense is hitting if the rotation continues to um churn out quality starts i mean justin Steele coming back on saturday is a big part of that uh kyle hendricks continuing to do professor like things um everyone else staying healthy marcus stroman tweeting you know things like that as long as that happens and as long as no team in the Central goes on, like, a 10-game winning streak, like, Jed does not want to sell, like, period. Like, he, it, it's not going to be enjoyable or comfortable for him to have to go down that road again. And if you can keep chipping away at this, um, I thought it was interesting in Anaheim last week, Jed Hoyer brought up the stat of, you know, we're... 0-5 at home with the opportunity to sweep a series. Like, they are very much uh, rewinding the schedule here and, like, circling, like, the moments that could have been. And so if you sweep today, if, uh, you know, the Brewers don't get their act together, um, but there's just a point where you can't 
in our shoes or in their shoes, like ride the wave too much because there are going to be these moments. Like I'm circling that four game series in Milwaukee before the all-star break. That was kind of their, um, that is the place around the same time when Jed Hoyer decided to sell in 2021. And if the Brewers do Brewers things where they, you know, win like four one run games in a row, uh, and then the Cubs have to go to Yankee stadium where they just got destroyed last year. And then you go into the all-star break, like, you know, it's hard to see a path back, but if they can continue to win series and like look uh, coherent as a unit, I don't think that's off the table. I think they're going to really try and wait uh, a very long time and prepare for both possibilities and then kind of see where they're at in, in late July and what they did in San Francisco and what they're doing here are essential uh, parts of just giving themselves a chance to make it hard on Hoyer's group. Yeah, we've said before that in the last couple of years, it was probably the case that the front office was eager for, er, eager is the wrong word. Uh, the front office was accepting of an excuse to sell. Whereas this year, I think they are eagerly looking for an excuse not to sell. And I, you know, I said what I said and I, I stick by that as I evaluate the situation, I think it's still far more likely than not that they do sell. Um, I think, as you said, we do have to remain open to the possibility that this sport teaches you every year that you just are, we're bad at predicting things like we just, and I think even those in the game know that I think they know it's, it's not like Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins would sit down right now and say, well, we know what's going to happen over the next month and a half. They might say we've got a 70% confidence that it's going to be X or Y. Uh, and we could say the same, but that doesn't mean that the other thing doesn't happen sometimes. And so that is why I am saying if the Cubs complete the sweep today of the Pirates, they are definitely going to be buyers of the deadline. <laughs> uh, well, we can say that, and then the Orioles could come in and sweep the Cubs, and that's a really good team, too. Exactly. So it's like, you know, can they... There are some internal solutions coming here with Steele and Bellinger, and you're absolutely right about, like, the default setting for this front office. I, I like the way you put it there of really looking for reasons not to sell um but at a certain point it it will become sort of obvious and we're we're just not there yet and that's yeah yes know. yes they do it's like they don't have the reasons now i don't think you know if the, if the deadline was tomorrow i i don't think there's any way they could talk themselves into not selling um but there's time you know it's um they as they said it's not early forever and even if it's not early now, it's that doesn't mean it's late. You know, there's there's a big meaty middle here that uh, the Cubs could win a lot of games, change some thinking. So I'll just uh, I'll leave leave my heart open, not too open, because then it stings when they inevitably do some bullshit. But uh, I'll I'll leave it a little open for this weekend at least. <laughs> this uh, this is on to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at the Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's Patrick Mooney. Get his at The Athletic. Cubs wrap up with the Pirates today. Then, as Mooney said, they get the Orioles this weekend with 
uh, Justin Steele back on the mound. That is the plan. You know, we'll we'll see it when we see it, but that is the plan. And, you know, who knows? He comes back, and if he looks fresh, and if Kyle Hendricks is actually, you know, stabilizing himself as a solid back-end guy, I mean, that's that's a pretty dramatic improvement right there. And, and Bellinger returning, as long as he's no worse for the wear at the plate, that's actually a kind of different team than the one that has been maybe starting to improve over the last week so there's there's my hopeful take to wrap it with we'll be back at you on monday in the meantime i hope you have a lovely weekend and i hope you take care As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.